Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Ashleen. And I'm Gracie. And this is a podcast where the two of us, we take a movie, put it to both feminist and inclusive tests, and then we ask the most important question of them all. Are aliens real? (laughs) Oh no, I meant uh, we ask if the movie is good. (laughs) Yeah, so you guys may be wondering, Gracie, Ashleen, last week you told us that we were going to watch Stonewall. Yeah, yeah. Ashley decided (laughs) to change it on me at the last minute. So we're gonna we're going to do Stonewall as like a two parter um, because our next Pride Month we're focusing on Black LGBTQA plus movies. So we're gonna mix Stonewall with documentary about the life of Marsha P. Johnson. Mm -hmm. So we we just decided um, to do that instead. where we kind of have the documentary to go off of because the movie is fucking shit. Anyway, uh, we decided to do Independence Day instead, which I think is probably one of the most popular Roland Emmerich movies of all time. Everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also like the first, uh, one of the first movies where it had like the cast of thousands sort of thing, yeah. right? Where they had... Where everybody's connected. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and that wasn't, like, something you had seen before. Now it's, like, all over the board. God. Um, and it's become, like, its own trope where they I mean, ended up stopping it because it was so tired. But this was, like, really that, that Valentine's first... Valentine's Day movie. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Like, and, and we will say, we hate doing ensemble movies because they are always too effing complicated. Yeah, like, when we have to break down a movie and talk about each individual actor's part, like, we've messed up. This mm-hmm. at least does a good job of interweaving the story together where everything is happening simultaneously, mm-hmm. and then they all converge at the end of the movie, versus people just converging at random parts of the movie. So, yeah. Anyway, um, so, of course, this movie was written by Roland Emmerich. It was written by Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. Dean Devlin also worked on Independence Day Resurgence. He also wrote Godzilla. He produced this movie. And Stargate. Um, (laughs) uh, It stars Will Smith as Captain Stephen Hiller. Will Smith, of course, best known for Men in Black. Um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I think Men in Black came out a year before this one. Oh my god, I didn't know this. What? Okay. So the guy who you said, um, Dean Devlin? Yeah. His directorial debut was Geostorm. (sighs) No. Yes. Well, he has a type of film, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Next, uh, next is Bill Pullman as President Thomas J. Whitmore. We've talked about Billy before. Yep, we yeah. have. He was Lone Star in the Mel Brooks film Spaceballs, and he was also <laughs> the dad from Casper. Uh, Jeff Gold- Goldblum plays Dev- David Levinson. Jeff, of course, known for the Jurassic Park franchise. He was also in Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Judd Hirsch plays Julius Levinson. Judd Hirsch has been in things like (laughs) Taxi and A Beautiful Mind and Ordinary People. He plays David's dad. Um, 
Robert Loggia plays General William Gray. Randy Quaid plays Russell Case. Randy Quaid plays Randy Quaid in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he Let's plays Randy Quaid in every movie, to be honest, because this was like. This was post, uh, like, the vacation movies. Yes. And he was huge because of those damn movies. It's true. Um, Harvey Fierstein makes an appearance in this as Marty Gilbert. He was in Duplex. He was also in Mrs. Doubtfire as Uncle Jack. (laughs) And he's also done the voice of Yao in Mulan and Mulan 2. Yes, yes. Um, Special shout out to Vivica A. Fox, who was also in this movie as Jasmine. Uh, and then little tiny baby Mae Whitman plays the I president's know. daughter. She's such a little baby in this movie. And that's the thing. She's had like baby. a fantastic career like afterwards because like she's huge with voice acting now. Ashlene, you lied to me. That is fucking Harry Connick Jr. That played the best friend of the captain. What? Okay, so when Ashlyn and I were watching this movie, there was this one guy character who was super best friends with Captain Stephen Hiller's character, and he was, like, you know, ragging on him about, like, marrying a stripper, and I was like, man, that looks like Harry Connick Jr., and Ashlyn goes, no, that's not Harry Connick Jr., that's so-and-so. It was fucking Harry Connick Jr., I knew it. (laughs) You know who uh, was supposed to have that role? Who? Matthew Perry. I'm so glad they went with Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> See, okay, it's funny that you say this because I have no idea who Harry Connick Jr. is, really. Okay, have you ever seen the movie P.S. I Love You? No. Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay, he's a singer. He was also in Hope Floats, that Sandra Bullock movie. Okay. Funny, funnily enough, Mae Whitman was also in that movie. But okay, you don't know who it is. I, anyway, I do, I do. So there. Um. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. Oh, and Ross Badgley plays Dylan. Ross was a child actor. Uh, he was best known for playing Buckwheat in the Little Rascals movie. So. Oh yeah, that was him. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, now Rotten Tomatoes scores. Ashlene, what do you think? Give me your guess. Um, this movie, people love this movie, so I'm gonna go with, um, like, 60-something. Okay. Critics gave it a 66. Oh, wow. Okay. Audience gives it a 75. See, audience love this movie. Yeah, I fucking love this movie. Like, okay. So the thing about Independence Day is there were disaster movies before it. But I think Independence Day was, like, the first major blockbuster hit that, like, really stands the test of time. Like, some of the effects kind of suck, but the practical effects still hold up really well, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like the story has some heart to it. It's not like a Michael Bay movie, you know what I mean? Like... That's the difference, I think, between a Roland Emmerich film and a Michael Bay movie. They're both shitty. Yeah. But I feel like Roland Emmerich at least has some heart in his characters that he writes. I don't get that with a Michael Bay movie. Well, that's the thing. With this movie, I cared about the characters. Right. Like, I actually... um, And compared to, like, the other Roland Emmerich movies that we have seen... 
Um, which they all have a very common theme. I don't know what it was about this one, but there was heart in this movie. Like there was, yeah. there was je ne sais quoi that was so <laughs> like profound. And that's why this movie is beloved. That's why it's still like, it's almost like a Independence Day thing at my house. Like, we watch this movie in July at least once a year, right? Like, maybe not around the 4th, but, like, end of June, first part of July, it comes on TV, we're going to watch it. Mm-hmm. You know? We will not go quietly into the night. It's so <laughs> yeah. funny because, anyway. like, I straight up never saw this movie. <laughs> well, it's it's a movie for America. Yeah. Which is another thing Roland Emmerich does for a man who was not <laughs> born here. He really harps in on that American exceptional exceptionalism. You know what? So this was this was a time period. Like this movie is a time capsule of its. Oh, like it, it is, is t- definitely a '90s movie. Like you could not do this movie now, not to yeah, this no. degree, right? Well, that's because it's it's too gritty, right? Mm-hmm. It's not gritty enough. Let's say it's too fun. Right. All the action movies now, they don't have that fun element, which we've talked about this when we talked about The Mummy last year. Right. Like the good thing about movies like The Mummy and like Twister are the reason they hang around 20 and 30 years after they're made is because they're fun. There's an element of fun to it. You can kind of quote it. You you know the beats of the story. You know the stakes, but it's still a fun ride every time you watch it. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it makes them timeless. <laughs> so, getting into Let's the actual plot of the mother, <laughs> the movie. So, it starts off... July 2nd. Yeah, it's July 2nd, because, you know, of course, it's... Everything's going to happen on Independence Day. Um, but this is a 270-mile radius mothership starts orbiting the Earth, and it mm-hmm. starts deploying these like assault huge ass 15 mile wide aircrafts yes yeah and they're all protected by stuff and you see uh you know communication is being brought down people don't know what's going on there's that one scene where they're entering where the smaller ships are entering the atmosphere that you see will smith and vivica fox sleeping and they're like oh it's an earthquake and she's like not even a five pointer go back to sleep (laughs) and then they're all walking outside and he's he look they look up and she's like, what is going on? And then she sees it and everybody's like, holy shit. What the fuck? <laughs> like, so you have like one ship over the Capitol Records. Oh, yeah. Like building the idea in LA. is all of these ships are like over like the major cities. So it's like L.A., mm-hmm. New York, uh, Washington, uh, Dallas. Yeah. Like they're they're everywhere. Yeah. Right. So. Mm hmm. Um, Because they because they wanted to put into the perspective of like all types of Americans, not just like Mm -hmm. city folk, because we also see like later on that, you know, Randy Quaid's character, like that's small town America because they had to put that in there, too. Right. Right. Yeah. So. So. So you see all this, and, and and this is where you meet David. David is an ex-scientist. Now he's a cable technician, and he's very about the environment, because Roland Emmerich is about the environment, and you should be too, okay? Recycle your cans, goddammit. 
do it reduce reuse <laughs> not just recycle recycle it everybody does the recycling thing but you reduce also have reuse. to do the reducing and reusing okay captain planet needs to be proud of you guys all right you can fucking do it i know it gi joe <laughs> wait wrong one <laughs> wrong one um so yeah david david is this like smart ass um he's sexy very intelligent he's very genius and intelligent so sexy. and he has already mm. managed to figure out that there's some kind of alien code that he can hack into because of the signal they're boosting i don't know how he just can right he- david is the everyman in this situation he is the everyman character the hero there is that roland mm, there's a lot of those but, everyman sorts in this uh i i think his character and will smith's character are really the ever everyman thing also that's another thing the diversity in this cast was mm, so refreshing i agree so well that's, that's the beginning part right we saw and I, I pointed it out to, to Gracie, but like when they're first getting that like transmission and it's uh, it's coming along and they're like they have four people that's in the um, like the room and they're mm-hmm. all people of color. Like yeah, every single yeah. one was somebody of color. And I was like, damn, that's and the people making the shittiest decisions in this movie are white. So. Yeah. Um, also, uh, you don't listen to our Disney Dives podcast more than likely, but like one of the characters in the film who plays the Secretary of Defense mm-hmm. is the blank check dad. And I have no idea what his actual name is. We just kept calling him blank check dad the whole fucking time. Oh, yeah. And he was the worst character. So every <laughs> time we were like, shut up, blank check dad. Shut up. You're a shitty dad and a shitty Secretary of Defense because this was before we had homeland security okay and the other thing i have to say about this movie right so they are definitely playing into like bill pullman essentially is playing uh bill clinton Clinton. like that's that's (laughs) who he's playing and then his wife is hillary clinton because she's a workaholic and she's doing all of this stuff so they were really like but she's nicer than hillary so what's okay yeah she's a little bit nicer this was also pre-lewinsky so mm, yeah so he was still well liked the other thing okay the other thing i have to say about this whole thing right and spoilers um so when she died <laughs> and like she had like this long suffering horrible death i was like man Roland Emmerich, do you hate Hillary Clinton? Like, is this where we're at? Is this why you made well, it's so funny. her character, her because- like self insert character die? Like, because because at first, well, yeah, because Grace, because I thought she was dead. Well, here's and- the here's the thing, right? We're watching it, and when the aliens attack each of these these places, um, Ashlyn goes, "Oh my God, she's gonna die, isn't she?" And I go, "Yep." So later on, when Vivica Fox's character um, finds the president's wife, Ashley's like, Gracie, you lied to me. And then it gets to the part where she's dying of internal bleeding in a fucking hospital bed. <laughs> and I said, I did not lie to you. She did die. Just not in the way you expected. Instead of it being quick, it was long suffering and horrible. 24 hours of internal bleeding. Yep. Yikes. So like I said... <laughs> When I watched that, I was like, um, Roland Emmerich, do you hate Hillary Clinton? Because, like, what the hell here? Like, 
Yeah, yeah. Not only because you know you think she's dead, and you're like, and then you're like, oh wow, she survived. That's crazy. But then it's like a long suffering, <laughs> nope, horrible death. Um, and you're just like, what the hell? Like what? What also, even? I gotta, I gotta be honest. Like this movie surprised me. This movie is sex worker positive, you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sex worker positive. Because Vivica's Fox is an exotic dancer. She's a stripper, right? And when she and the president's wife are having a conversation, she's, you know, she says she's an exotic dancer. And the wife goes, oh, I'm sorry. And she goes, nah, it pays my bills. It takes care of my, my baby. You know, like, like the money's I'm not good. ashamed. Yeah, I was like, good on Roland for not like, first of all, he could have killed her because mm-hmm. like sex equals sin in a film, right? He, he could have killed her off, but he didn't. Instead, he made this a woman who just has a career that happens to be exotic dancing, who has uh, a husband-to-be who appreciates her for who she is. He's, you know, there as a stepfather figure to her son. Well, that's the thing. Like, they never have it as, like, them. What a family unit. Well, that's the thing. They don't have them as, like, fighting where he's trying to tell her, like, hey, I want you to quit your job. And, like, that doesn't... That that's not part of it, which like hell yeah, absolutely. I I also want to say though because I I don't want to put, I don't think that was Roland Emmerich who did that. I think that uh, ten bucks, well not ten bucks, but like <laughs> honestly, I feel like Vivica A. Fox, who is a fantastic actress, like looked at this character, wanted to give her character, and wanted more. to give her a little bit more than just an exotic dancer like girlfriend character right yeah so she and and i think that she put a lot into that character and really talked to probably talked to roland emmerich like saying hey about this character like maybe we can do this with her rather than you know whatever dumb thing he wrote Mm -hmm. because let's be real we've seen some of the other female characters and how he treats them Mm-hmm. She, she put a lot of herself like not herself but like she put a lot yeah, into can, that character I can agree with that and at least Roland Emmerich was like yeah sure right like mm-hmm. it didn't end up on the cutting room floor they kept it in so yeah. good on them because I appreciated seeing that because that's not really something you see in a movie no you you hardly if ever see sex worker positivity in a film and she's not treated as less than because she's a sex worker like, the guy's friend makes some jokes about it, but, like, Will Smith's character don't give a shit. No. He loves her. Yeah. Yeah, and he's... <laughs> that's, that's his And he's woman. also, like, a really good stepdad to... Yeah. To Dylan. Like, he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's, such a, it's such a cool family unit. I really, like... And all of the family lives, including the dog. Ashley saw that dog boomer and she was like, oh, no. And I was like, trust me, the dog lives. Oh, We're yeah. Fine. It's not oh, like okay. that but, 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 terrible Mars attack movie. <laughs> but but let's be real, though. That part where they had the dog jumping through the air with the ball of fire and stuff. And then, like, he survives. That was the worst CGI moment I've ever seen. Like, it was so <laughs> <laughs> but like I just you know this movie was made for less than they made for Titanic wow but no I just I laughed I, I laughed so hard yeah of yeah, course it was it was made but didn't this this movie made like bank 
Oh, this movie made about like three hundred and fifty million domestically, but almost a billion worldwide. Yeah, like it made like eight hundred ninety million dollars yeah. in ninety in ninety six. Yeah, <laughs> like, fucking hell, man. Like, Good on you. Um. Okay. So we we've really that's the thing with an ensemble cast. You just kind of go all over the place. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so, oh god, I was just reading some of the trivia, but that can wait for a second. Okay, the um, other thing too is, so we've got it, it's like you said, David is the one of the everyman sort of thing, right? And he's like divorced from his, uh, like he's got an ex-wife who works for the president, um, and they're uh-huh. like obviously not in love. He's also has a fa- father who's very, um, uh, what's the word? overbearing uh and fun fact about his character he's based off of one of uh devon devlin's uncles fair enough yeah i i think they really honed in on jewish brooklyn father (laughs) like yes for david's for david's dad like if you had told me if, if i were to look at that man and hear him speak i would think oh he's from brooklyn right yeah like, as someone who has never been to New York, I would say, oh, he's from Brooklyn, just from his cadence and the way he talks and everything. Um, but I love, I, I love David's dad so much. He's got some of the best lines, like this part where everything's going to shit and he's like, oh, let us all pray. And this one guy's like, but I'm not Jewish. And he goes, nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> like we can't all be perfect is what he said and i'm like yes it's so good it's so funny. oh well it's There's like so little things where lines. that's the thing like they're, they're going through like, like horrible things and then here's uh buddy who's like um he's like wow i'm in the you know the president's office this is crazy how cool yeah and you're like oh man you my are. son David here. My son, my son David here. Like all the time, pumping up how good his son is. I know, but behind <laughs> the scenes, he's like, "Look at you. You get need it to together. get it together. You need to work on yourself." But you know, he's so supportive that he's like pumping up his son, and he's like, you know, he's a super genius. He's great. He's this and this and this, and it's my son David knows. And, and I was just it's like, my son David. I, I I don't know. I just I thought it, that was so touching. We it's like, stand. Yeah, we, we stand a supportive dad around here. Exactly. <laughs> that's a, that's the other thing about like all of these characters, right? Like they weren't. There wasn't cookie that. Cutter? Yeah, they weren't cookie cutter, but there wasn't this like turbo, mo- like macho, like underneath characterization mm-hmm. because like you could show yeah. that you it know, wasn't like an 80s action movie like there mm-hmm. was sensitivity there was you know imperfection it it was nice like the closest to a macho character we had was will smith's character and even he showed you know emotion and showed vulnerability and that's why this movie's so good because you gave your characters enough of a background that they were likable. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's why this movie works. So, um, also, can we just talk about Will Smith's character as a whole? Because, like, he is the funniest thing mm-hmm. in this movie. <laughs> that part where he manages to kill the alien and then he's like, welcome to Earth. Bam. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> well, well, that's the thing. Like Will Smith, at the time, like he was huge because of Prince of Bel Air, but this movie skyrocketed him to fame. I think this like, movie and Men in Black really did like they put shoot him off. They put him in the A list, you know? like because that's the thing. When you think of Will Smith and like and his wife and his kids, like they are A list celebrities now. And this was mm-hmm. the movie, this and Men in Black were the movies that, like, really, like, boom. Yeah, because um, I'm looking it up right now. So, yeah, he was in Bad Boys in 95, mm. Independence Day in 96, and Men in Black in 97. That's three years with three, like, super popular movies with him as the front runner. And each one. And he survived Wild Wild West. Yeah. Oh, boy. I don't think uh, What's-His-Face ever came back from that. Which, who? Not really. Is it, was it Kevin Klein? It yeah, was. Kevin Klein's career. But Kevin <laughs> Klein and Kenneth Branagh were in that movie. And, like, I'm sorry, but, like, those are two white dudes that look and sound the same. So <laughs> It's so funny because, like, be real. Kevin Klein is still doing stuff, like, voice acting or whatever. But, like... Kenneth Branagh directs movies, but he's a terrible fucking director. Yeah. Yeah. I hate Kenneth Branagh as a director. They, they I keep really put, do. They keep giving him money, and I'm just like, no, stop. Why are you doing I mean, this? he did that Artemis Fowl movie. Ugh, it was so bad. Yeah, and, like, we have- the only other Disney movie he did before was Cinderella, and, like, the Cinderella one was okay, but it wasn't great. <laughs> like, Well, it made a uh, lot of money, because, like... Th- it was the reason well, it's why Disney cashing in. Yeah, it was the reason why that and Melissa Maleficent. Maleficent. Yes, those are the well, two- Maleficent came out first. Yeah, but those two movies are the reason why we are in this hellscape of you know Disney um, nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, Disney live action. Let's make let's make live action versions of every Disney Renaissance movie. Yeah, that's a great idea. No, who did uh, Beauty and the Beast again? I don't know who directed. Beauty Whoever and the did Beast. did Was a terrible Barry job. Levin- no, it's not Barry Levinson. Okay, it doesn't matter. Oh. We're going off the deep end. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, it was Bill Condon. Oh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I looked it up. Um, so yeah, I really liked Will Smith's character. I really liked Jeff Goldblum's character. I thought that Bill Pullman's president character was pretty good. He seemed like he was able to weigh and balance his work as president well, while also being a father and a grieving, you know, a grieving uh, husband because his wife dies. Um, I think that the Area 51 stuff was creepy as fuck. Okay, I thought that was (laughs) hilarious because... Because Roland Emmerich does this a little bit in his movies. Like, if you haven't, if you've noticed, but he does tend to put, like, a little bit of a conspiracy theory. Like, with this movie, he did, you know, Area 51. And then with uh, White House um, down, he put the the tunnels underneath yeah. uh, that, you know, mm-hmm. JFK used to get Marilyn Monroe. Like, that's a conspiracy right. theory. And the conspiracy theory that climate change isn't real. Yeah, so like he does <laughs> a Dick little Cheney bit of character. that, but like in a way, in a way, it's kind of 
it's kind of funny. And then the other thing I have to say is every single movie that we have watched, right? Every single one. Okay. He always has a father that needs to win the respect of his children. It's true. It's every true. Every single movie. It makes me wonder. It makes me wonder, Roland, honey, did you have a bad childhood? Did did you did you seek the approval of your father? Did you want a father who wanted to make his children proud? I mean, it's okay if you did. It's just something that's written into all of your movies. <laughs> I wonder, actually, because he did come from Germany, so... I don't know. Um, Big yikes. <laughs> oh, no, Ashleen, I doubt that. <laughs> mm. How old is Roland Emmerich? He was born in 55. Oh, honey. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, okay, conspiracy theory. He's a baby boomer. (laughs) Now we're conspiracy theory. Theory about who his father was. Conspiracy theory. Okay, (laughs) let me, let me. Reason why Roland Emmerich puts this in every single movie where he wants, like, a father that needs to win the respect of his children is because his father was a Nazi, and he never no. respected his father. So that's why he does this. 100%. No. 100%. Do you, think, do you think that's why he has so much American exceptionalism in his movies? Oh, yeah. That has to be it. Oh, my God. It makes so much fucking sense Because he now. grew up in West Germany. He grew up in West Germany. Holy Where, okay, shit. Okay, because that's the other thing, too. Like, the ma- American military in West Germany, like... Um, Huge. Like, well, yeah, because they were all over the countryside and, like, riding in tanks and stuff up until, like, the 80s, right? Because, like, fuck. that's what my dad Ashley, was doing. We fucking cracked it. I did. <laughs> I cracked the code of Roland Emmerich. The reason why he does every like almost every single movie where a father has to win the respect of his children is because he never respected his own father because his father was a Nazi. Fuck, man. Oh my god. Fuck. Oh my god. I wonder I wonder if anybody has ever cracked that. I don't know if it's true, but holy shit. I don't know if it's true either, but like it makes sense. It definitely makes sense of him growing up in West Germany to have this idea of American exceptionalism in every single fucking one of his movies. Because, like, when did he come over? Because he must have at like somewhat of a young age ish. No, like in the 80s. He came over in the 80s. So he would have been like. He would have been, like, in his 30s when he came over. Or, like, late 20s. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh, my God. Um, Oh, my God. Sorry. I know. I'm just, like, (laughs) I'm blown. Ashley's like, I fucking cracked it myself. I freaking Um, did it. Um, Yeah, because, like, uh, the Patriot, like has to win the respect of his children by going off to war, right? And then, like, he kills mm-hmm. a bunch of people um, who are, like, trying... Oh, my God! No what? wonder... Think about what? it. Okay, so in The Patriot, right, where they put, uh, like, that scene where they burn the, like, the people in the church... But the fact is, the people... That was a thing that happened in World War II. We talked about that. Yeah. 
Oh shit. <laughs> Ashley, we got to stop with the conspiracy theory and actually talk about the movie, but I think you I think you've hit something. Oh my god, I'm so proud it. of myself. You have no idea. This is the dumbest <laughs> thing. I'm so proud of myself though. I like straight up I'm like, "Man, did anybody else get this?" <laughs> Does this make me a real film theorist? Dude, we need, we should give this to film theory on YouTube and be like, hey, dudes, see if this is right. <laughs> like, come on. I'm going to look I, after this. I'm going to look up if there's a film theory about it. But that's for after the show. Anyway, OK. OK. So, sorry. All this shit starts happening, right? Like, all of these cities are destroyed. People are displaced and everything. And so now they're going to try and attack the, the the ships. The problem is there's a buffer around the ship. So, blank check dad is like, hey, why don't we try to nuke it? And, of because course, that America. is... America. Yeah, because America. But also, that's the worst thing you can do because, as we just put out there... Um, Roland Emmerich hates anything to do with... Very big environmentalist. Yeah. And also hates anything to do with World War II. So, he's anti-nuke. Yeah. And so, they, of course, deploy the nuclear blast over Dallas. It does not destroy the ship because of the guard around it. So they mm-hmm. managed to figure out how to, like with David's help, once they're in Area 51, they managed to figure out how to put the shield down. And when they do, um, it is now up to David and, uh, and Will Smith's character, Captain Hiller, to go up with a nuclear bomb um, into the mothership to implant a virus that puts the shields down with a window of one minute. And you have to destroy all of these ships. Now, this is where the plot gets crazy. (laughs) Right? Because all of a sudden, America's calling up every single embassy that it can and going like, hey, we're going to do this. And, like, some Royal Air Force dude is like, finally, the Americans have figured it out. And I'm like, what? No. What? What British person in their right mind would ever give the Americans credit for anything? And it's like, it makes it out to be like the RAF are just fucking sitting there waiting by the phone. Yeah. For the Americans to be like, we've got a plan. And we then RAF's like, oh, Thank God, you know, like what the fuck? We would, we would never have been able to do it without American exceptionalism. <laughs> yeah, this is where the American exceptionalism really hits it. But it's so not they, as bad because, like, again, it's not hard. as bad as the Patriot. Okay, oh, this boy. is the movie that Michael Bay wishes he would have done. Right. This. This is the movie Michael Bay wanted. Michael Bay wants to have that where people look fondly back at his big action movies. Nobody looks back at Michael Bay movies with fondness. He's too gritty. You gotta have some love in it. Mm-hmm. You know? I think the only Michael Bay movie I actually like is Bad Boys 2. So, like... <laughs> uh, and I think that's really just to do with the dynamic between Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. So, yeah. anyways... Um, 
they they all like get all these pilots together um you know the iraqis and the israelis are gonna fight together like everybody is going to fight together and they all you know get ready randy quaid's character has decided because he was abducted by aliens that he is also going to join in and he's not going to be drunk anymore his parent his kids absolutely hate him he is the character who has to prove himself to his children Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, David and Captain Hiller go up into the mothership. They get anchored in. They upload the virus. There's this huge, great billowing speech by Bill Pullman. You that know, Donald Trump the, stole. Yeah, the Donald Trump stole. Like the independence. Like July Fourth is Independence Day for America, but now. July 4th will hence and beforeth be known as Independence Day for the entire world. <laughs> like, oh, it's so cheesy. It's, yeah. But like the good kind of cheese. It's it's a good cheesy 90s Oh yeah, movie, 100%. Right? <laughs> um, the other thing I have to say about like Randy Quaid's character, right, is he is a Vietnam war vet and a former like fighter pilot. So... He's, like, dealing with some serious PTSD. Serious PTSD. Like, serious PTSD. <laughs> and the fact that he drinks to, like... Like, that's what a lot of dudes did. Because... Because you're unable to... Because um, patriarchy, right? So right. you tend to drown your sorrows when you're a dude in, in, in either whiskey or narcotics, right? Because you can't express yourself. And this was before the time where, you know, it's uh, go get some therapy. Like, uh, that's what this bu- this guy needs. He needs some therapy, but like you didn't do that. And then there's also he was abducted by aliens. And he, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so after this, um, they, uh, you know, you, you got David and Captain Hill are up in, in the mothership. They've uploaded the virus and then they're anchored in. So they're like, fuck, we've got to detonate this bomb. We only have 30 seconds to get out of here. Down on Earth, the big fight is happening. Randy Quaid ends up sacrificing himself. Uh, in order to save all of humanity. And his son is very proud of his father and can't really mourn at this point. But now they have no mother or father. They're orphans. What's going to happen to them? Are they going to be sucked into the foster care system despite their father being a a, a world hero? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I have questions. That's the thing. <laughs> like, their father dies... And then their mom is their mom is nowhere. Like we're not really sure what happened there, right? And they're like, they're poor kids that like you know live in a trailer sort of deal, right? And then, uh, and their father like flies planes to you know dust crop like you know local farms and shit, right? So Mm -hmm. here's these kids who just no longer have a father. Like, what's going on? Are they are they going to be taken care of because he's a hero? Or are they just, like, are they just going to put them in the system? Because I, I feel like this is America and that very fend-for-yourself 
ideology. So they're just going to be put into foster care and like big yikes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Um, Anyway, up in the mothership, uh, they they managed to break themselves loose and <laughs> and get away. And one of the things that happens in the movie is uh, David, played by Jeff Blobum's character, is like, must go faster, must go faster, which is something he said in Jurassic Park oh. when he's in the back of the Jeep. Mm-hmm. And the T-Rex is coming after them. He's like, must go faster, must go faster. So that was a nice little callback. Um, But they end up getting out. The day is saved thanks to the Powerpuff Girls and all is right in the world. So. Yeah. I don't know. I'm glad. I'm so sad you did not laugh at my joke. (laughs) Powerpuff Girls. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I I made a really great the day is safe joke and you didn't even fucking laugh. I hate this. <laughs> I'm laughing that I didn't laugh. <laughs> um so yeah, the movie ends with everything is right in the world, but now they have to deal with the cataclysmic aftermath of an alien attack and yeah, everyone's peaceful now, but Several big, huge cities in uh, in the United States are now destroyed, and we've used nuclear weapons. So, what are what are the political after effects of this? I wonder. We never find out, but, except we do an Independence Day resurgence. But I don't. I haven't watched it. Um, so. But hey, the wreckage from the mothership resembles a fireworks display as it's entering Earth's atmosphere. So, oh right, right. And didn't he promise? His little son, fireworks. He did. did. So. All right. Um, So. um, (laughs) Yeah, it's this movie. Yeah. So the huge hype of this film began generating in early 96, which caused Warner Brothers to postpone the release of Mars Attack from summer to Christmas. (laughs) And Steven Uh. Spielberg temporarily canceled his plans to direct War of the Worlds, though temporarily is kind of funny because he waited 10 years before he made War of of the Worlds. I feel like War of the Worlds would have been better if it came out earlier like before like if it became if it came out before 9-11 it would have been so much better yeah but because also ignore all the sirens in the background holy shit like i think i think i watched a video about this actually by Lindsay ellis um about how you know like 9-11 changed the big blockbuster movies and how things like because this movie would not have been made after 9-11. <laughs> like, yeah. So. Because you're blowing up the White House and, and uh, like, look how long it took to do an Avengers movie. Yeah. Right? In New York. Also, crazy thing. This movie only took 72 days to shoot. Really? Yeah. Fuck, man. 72 days. That must have been a hell of a schedule. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Oh, so President Whitmore was originally supposed to be a Richard Nixon figure. Mm. The role was originally written for Kevin Spacey. No! Yikes. Dean Devlin's friend from high school 
Yikes. An executive at Fox refused to cast Spacey, insisting he did not have the potential to be a big star and the part was rewritten and Bill Pullman was then cast in the role. Ironically, Spacey would later become a much bigger star and was cast as an alien in K-Pax and as the President of the United States in House of Cards, which is a great TV show which is now shadowed by all of the allegations against Mr. Spacey. But it's like, um, what's his name? Uh, John Oliver. If you just put, like, a cactus on top of them, it would make it so much better, right? <laughs> that was yeah. one of the recent episodes that they made a joke about that. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Right. Um, so the White House interiors were originally built for the 1990 film The American President, and they were also used in Mars Attacks from 96 and Nixon from 95. So... All those White House interior shots were reused for four different movies. I feel like this was definitely uh, a movie that was very much slapped together. But it worked. Oh, yeah, it did. But, like, you can tell, like, from what you said, like, oh, it only took this amount of time to, like, you know, film it and that they were using, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff that was already there, like... And the budget, like $75 million for this movie, like that is a Mm -hmm. bare knuckle budget. Yeah. And I think that the genius of using practical and scale effects really helped. Like the White House being blown up was a scale model that was only like a twelfth of the size, like a one twelve model. Um all, all of the scenes where something huge is blown up is, is a scale model that's been, like, filmed at several different angles and several different camera Honestly, I kind of uh, wish that they speeds. would do that again because that looks... It looks more like realistic. Like, it looked realistic compared to if they had done it with, like, 3D animation, which they tend to do now yeah. more. They rely on yeah. it more, yeah. That's why the original Jurassic Park still holds up so well is because of the use of animatronics and practical effects. Amazingly, you can do really cool things with practical effects. Uh, and that's the problem. Like, it wouldn't even cost as much to do the practical. No, it just requires more people on hand to, like, use the puppetry and well, stuff. Well, yeah, but then but there's it also makes the... your movie look so much better. Better. Yeah, but like it, it's like you said, you you need more people for like the puppetry or whatever, right? But you wouldn't have to hire as many people to do, um, say like all the three D mm-hmm. like workings that they do for a lot of other movies, right? Because like that's a mm-hmm. whole team. Like especially if you watch the credits credits these days, the reason why it's so long is because they're naming everybody that's worked, you know, behind the scenes with like all of the the graphics the the you know yeah but how much easier would it be just to have like two engineers create a robot that looks very realistic like the dinosaurs in jurassic park hold up Mm -hmm. pretty well and most of them are like mainly animatronic like it it works i'm just saying like this is one of my gripes with hollywood is our like Really, since Avatar and the realization of what you could do with motion capture and what you could do with green screen and what you could do with uh, CGI, we've really seen a huge dip away from practical effects. I think 
Blade Runner 2045 was the first movie in a long time that used practical effects and scale models, and it looked so much more organic. All of that CGI, it really, like, makes your brain not as invested because it it looks fake. It doesn't feel real. Yeah. You know? So that's, that's just one of my things. But then again, I'm a 90s baby, so... I, I live in my nostalgia to cope. So. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, oh, God. Dean Devlin, who served as the second unit director and directed the close-up shots of actors in F-18 cockpits, let Harry Connick Jr. improvise several takes while doing impressions of various celebrities, including his impression of Reverend Jesse Jackson, which is included in the film. Ugh, yeah. It wasn't great. That was not good to watch. <laughs> Um, and the last thing I'll mention, because it's funny, is that to make the aliens look slimy, they used KY jelly. They lubed them fuckers up. But because it was so fucking hot in the Utah desert, the jelly evaporated within just a few minutes and it had to be reapplied several times. Yeah, that's, um, so... This movie was also the highest grossing movie of 1996. Yep. So it was, it was the big movie. And I, like, I definitely it remember was. this time period. Um, like, it, it, I remember this movie being huge, but I was definitely way too young to have watched it because I was only eight. And I watched Mars Attacks. Yeah. Um, and when I tell you, like, Mars Attacks scarred Trauma. me for life. Like, I'm still... <laughs> I've not watched that movie since. And, like, I, I know we're going to watch it someday on this podcast. But, like, I'm just scared to watch it. And I sure... I can I'm, still visually see them pointing the laser gun at the Golden Retriever. The Golden Retriever turning into a pile of bones and falling. Yeah, I think... I see I it. think that was, like, probably my worst... <laughs> Like, the worst thing. Ah! Like, that was not a movie that me as a child should have watched, but I did. No. Uh, no. Um, yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Um. That's a thing. Like, this I mean, movie- it was the second film... The- I, I got some box office stuff real quick. The second film to cross the $500 million mark at the international box office and at the time was the second highest grossing film of all time after Jurassic Park. Really? So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Jurassic Park made more money. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I think Titanic was the first movie to pass a billion dollars. Yeah. Though. So, like, the 90s were a good year for blockbusters. Holy shit. (laughs) Now you get a billion dollar movie at least once a year, except now because of the coronavirus. We were supposed to have, like, three or four Marvel movies come out this year, and they did not happen. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, there's movies that were supposed to perform, like, a lot more and, like, do so much better. Uh, But they obviously haven't like uh, onward would have been i i feel like that one would have made a ton of money if it wasn't for coronavirus and 
Also, Disney, if you're listening, which I know you're not, I'm not going to watch Mulan for 30 fucking dollars for a two-day yeah, rental. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm sorry, fucking not. but no. If you think you're going to make money off that movie, like, good effing luck. Like, families, maybe, but, like, the $20 mark was pushing it as close as a family was going to pay for yeah. it. Like, and you're like, it's going to be twenty nine ninety five, And I'm like, fuck that. I'll wait till y'all put it on there for free or let me buy it for 15 because my ass is not paying $30 just to rent a movie. <laughs> Do you want to hear something so. really funny about this movie? What? A month after the film's release, jewelry designers and marketing consultants reported an increased interest in dolphin-themed jewelry as the character Jasmine wears dolphin earrings and is presented with a wedding ring featuring a gold dolphin. Beautiful. Yeah, because guess what? We're all sheep. No, because I don't know if you remember this, Gracie, but there was a lot of dolphin jewelry. Oh, God. I, like, I had... My mom had a dolphin collection phase where she collected basically any kind of figurine that looked like a dolphin. Oh, no. I wonder if it was this movie that triggered it. It might have been because dolphins got really popular (laughs) after this. And it probably didn't help that I think Flipper came out the same year. Mm. I'm looking it up. It did. I think think it did. It did. Oh, my God. Ashley, you're fucking on it today. It did. What? Oh my god. It came out just before this movie. Fucking hell. And did, that mo- did that movie make money, though? That's the thing. Uh, I think it did all right. I don't think it was huge. No, it did not do well. It didn't. It didn't. Okay. It well. didn't hit the. But it was one of those, like, kid movies or whatever that I remember yeah. kind of watching. And it had Disney's 90 movies kind of sucked. Anyway, yeah. um, is there anything else you want to add before I move on to the tests? Um, we cracked the code about Roland Emmerich and why he makes the movies that he makes. And I'm going to go and tweet it out because of course I am. <laughs> because I am seriously. After. No, after. After that. Like, Let's finish this up yeah. first. But, I, but I'm saying 100%. Are you that is absolutely what's going on with this whole thing, right? And then, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm, I'm just so blown by, it. like, I'm blown away the fact that, like, this is like the actual reason why every single one of his movies essentially has that sort of plotline thrown in there. And it, like, and I just wonder, did anybody figure this out? Because not not every father like dies in it, but like every single time. Okay. Anyways, I'll shut up. I got you. Okay. All right. I'm gonna do the test now. (laughs) All right. Okay. So we have the Bechdel test, which is two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man. This does happen with the president's wife and Vivica A. Fox when they're talking about uh, her career. So that works. Um, Then we have the racial Bechdel test. You have two people of color on screen alone talking about something other than a white person. Yes, Vivica A. Fox's character and Will Smith's character have conversations that don't have anything to do with white people. Then you have the Macomori test. Do you have female characters whose story arc isn't about pushing a male narrative forward? I would argue that Vivica A. Fox's character's story arc is about protecting her child 
and not necessarily about finding her way back to her husband-to-be, but it's an added bonus. So I'm going to give it a pass, mm-hmm. um, which also means that it passes the Duvernay test, which is a person of color whose story arc isn't about pushing a white narrative forward. Um, then we have the sexy lamp test. Can you replace a named female character with a sexy lamp and it not take away from the plot? Um, that one stripper friend had a name, but I can't remember I it. Don't. So unfortunately, yeah. it fails. Yeah. Uh, and then the Vito Russo test. Do you have people in this film who are LGBTQA plus? Do they matter to the plot? Um, are they more than just a stereotype? Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious that one guy was gay, very gay coded, but and I Marty, don't think it's yeah. gonna pass. Um, Harvey. And, uh, Harvey's character yeah. was absolutely gay coded, but it's not explicitly said, so we can't say it's an actual representation. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna go with no. And then our final test, the Kez test. Um, are there people in this film who are uh, perhaps not able bodied? Who? perhaps are neurodivergent? Do they matter to the plot? Are they more than just their quote-unquote disability? Um, And no. (laughs) There's no uh, neurodivergent uh, people in this film. Mm -hmm. No one with a real, like, physical disability. So, unfortunately, does not pass. But... This movie has passed more of those tests than any other Roland Emmerich movie that we've watched. Now, do I think this movie is feminist? No. No. (laughs) But I do appreciate Vivica Fox's character. That is a feminist character in a non-feminist movie. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, Compared to, like, all the other female characters, um, because, like. The most depth. (laughs) she, She did really have the most depth. Because even Margaret Collins' character, Constance, like... Like David's David's wife? Former wife, wife, yeah. And she was, like, the White House communications director. But, like, I mean, like, she had things there. But, like, overall, their plot is um, the two of them coming back together. Which Mm -hmm. I'm very happy that Roland Emmerich doesn't do that again in other movies that we have seen because it, it it has strained where it could have happened but it hasn't because um like in white house down right mm-hmm. like if the two of them got back together we would have saw that again or in um the day after tomorrow oh my god there's a lot of split up couples in his movies too Oh man! Oh boy! I mean, it. Do- We're not getting into that, Ashley. No more conspiracy theories. Did his parents break up because of? Oh. <laughs> Emmerich, baby, go to therapy. <laughs> he's he's rich enough to afford yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I guess I guess the final question is: Is the movie good? Hell yeah! I enjoyed it. It's 
It's a fun popcorn movie. Like, in case you haven't noticed, I have enjoyed talking about it the entire time. It is one of my favorite movies. It's just, like, mindless, brainless, good fun with funny bits and really good action scenes minus a little bit of outdated CGI. So, high recommend. Best Roland Emmerich movie that we've watched. And are you are you happy that's that it for we Roland did this Emmerich. movie over Stonewall? Yeah, because at least we're ending on a high note because I know Stonewall is going to piss me <laughs> off. <laughs> so, yeah. Anywho, honestly, I want to do season. another month of Roland Emmerich movies because, like, there's still so many movies that we, we could do. We have to do another. We have to do a Steven Spielberg movie month before mm, that. That's true. <laughs> like, so we'll get yeah. there. We'll get there. Um, now, here's the real uh, thing, right? Next next month, we're going to be doing some quote unquote chick flicks. We're going to be watching uh, 9 to 5. We're going to be watching Little. Uh, there's an HBO film that's coming out that we're going to be watching called Unplanned, um, I think. Yeah. Or Unpregnant. Unpregnant, um, which is like... <laughs> an abortion road trip movie that's supposed to be a comedy. So that's going to be fun. We also have like a guest spot coming up for Miss Congeniality. Um, and then October is going to be Christian movie month because Christian movies are the real horror. <laughs> Jesus. And the, and uh, it's, it's, we're going to time it to where we watch the fun abortion movie because one of the movies on our roster for October is an anti-abortion yeah. film. So, Get ready, you guys. Gird those loins. (laughs) Anyways, uh, you can check us out. Um, We are on Twitch. Uh, We stream at least three nights a week, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Um, Though we are considering making Tuesdays our our podcast night. But at least Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, we're streaming 8 Eastern. Uh, you should definitely check us out there, twitch.tv slash feminist critique. Uh, our podcast Twitter is feminist, uh, at feminist pod, and I am on Twitter at South of Grace. I'm also Ajeline. on Twitter and Instagram and other stuff uh, as Ashleen's A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S. And then I also have my drag account, which is Aurora Borealis. You can check it out. There's like some cool pictures. I'm yeah. starting to get back into drag. COVID really got me bad with, you know, that depression shit. So I haven't been doing that. Um, But yeah, other than that. Oh, and then like also check out our Twitch channel if Gracie hasn't said that already. Did you? Uh, Oh, I did. But uh, on that, on (laughs) that channel, everybody, um, I don't listen to Gracie. I'll tell you what, on Twitch, Wednesday nights are for politics. We do a public domain movie night every Friday. So we watch something that's in the public domain. We have a good time. It's kind of like a cleanse stream. And then Saturday night, we get really angry and talk about more politics. So you should definitely come check us out. And like I said, uh, we're planning on doing Tuesday night podcast episodes. So you can actually listen and listen to the podcast before it actually airs. How cool would that be? So... We will see you guys next week. We'll be doing 9 to 5. So I hope you have a good one. Bye. Bye.